It was great to see Superman on Earth kind of doing his thing, saving the day, um, inspiring people, just to all over good stuff. Like, I'm back in it. And I can't wait to see the rest of the Superman yeah. family pop up soon with their little jackets. So, yay. Oh, yes. Also yeah. loving this, that, like, he really emphasizes that Superman is a good person, but he will beat your ass. Like, like yes. he, he's, he, he's, <laughs> he's kind of nasty. Like, high key. Yeah. He's going to go there. He shows that, like, Clark is like, kind of, yeah, I'm nice, but I also know that I got the strength. I will do what I want at the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're not going to beat me. So, what? <laughs> he told those new guys. Kushala. Oh, okay. And I am Lucas Bishop, aka Bishop. Oh, period. What's going on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I travel. That's what I like. You know. Oh, oh that's good. <laughs> we'll talk about him later too. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. well, how are you? I'm great. I am doing well. I was kind of sick all week. Oh, um, but I'm feeling feeling a lot better. Um, been enjoying like this last little holiday break, you know. Yes. Um playing video games a lot, you know, shout out to the people online. Um, also, people out there, if you got a PlayStation, add me. My PlayStation name is Marvel Man 90 I made it when I was younger. I'm trying to change oh, it, but uh, Uncanny LZ is like still taken, so. Oh, so we got to go report them and get them deleted. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Um, I'm doing well. Also been enjoying my little holiday break playing video games. They down uh they have Persona 5 Royal on Game Pass and I've never played it before, but I remember like when it came out, a lot of people were going crazy about it. So I've been giving that a try. I see it's like an anime and I was like, Oh, this explains a lot. It's like why why the people really like it. And I've also been watching Wednesday on Netflix, which is like really good. Oh yes. I wasn't sure how I like felt about it. I like the Adams family a lot. I, I like Christina Ricci a lot. So mm. when I was like going into this, I wasn't really sure. I was like, I was having a hard time comparing the new girl Jenna Ortega's Wednesday to Christina Ricci. But like overall, it's a really fun, cute show. And like Catherine Zeta Jones is Morticia and she's killing it. I like it. Now, speaking of Jenna Ortega, there was a rumor that she is in talks to be White Tiger in the MCU. How do we feel about that? That could be cute. I guess it depends also. There, on which... there are multiple like White Tiger the girls, say, right? Like... Yeah, there's Ava and Angela. Angela is the older one. Ava is the one who was like the Mighty Avenger with Power Man written by Al Ewing. She's cool, but she likes to quit a lot. She like, oh, I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to be the White Tiger. Whereas like Angela... Just... Are they related? They are. They're cousins. Cousins, okay. And then the man, Hector Ayala, is also related to them. He was the first one, right? Yeah. Okay. So, and we'll then see. he gave it up to his sister or his cousin. I can't remember if Angela is his sister or his cousin or his niece, but it's like one of them. They all in there. Mm. They family. That'd be interesting though, but that's just a rumor. Really I think know. she could be. Cute. I do. And I do like White Tiger. She, yeah, I think you know. I'm all for the fighting girls, and Jenna Ortega is a cute girl. I like her in this show, so I can see her doing that. 
Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into some actual updates we have going on this week. Um, in more of the corporate world at Disney, um, Bob Iger returns as the Disney CEO, uh, replacing Bob Chopik. Now, Bob Iger um, was the CEO who actually was the uh, one who spearheaded buying, um, I think it was both Star Wars and Marvel, mm. and kind of like uh, bringing them into the Disney hold. Um, I know that there were some... I think the Disney stock like dropped like 40% or something like that recently. Um, they haven't really been doing the best during the pandemic. Um, I think a lot of their bread and butter comes from like the Disney parks and the theme rides and the, the recreational stuff, like the cruises and all that kind of stuff. But during yeah. the pandemic, there was more focus on streaming and like building up Disney Plus. So they, I don't think they really made a lot as the same amount of money as um like they make from the parks obviously like all this stuff is wild because we're talking about billionaires and ceos and stuff so like <laughs> you got the money you know <laughs> truly you got the money <laughs> and you know i'm all for eat the rich but like it's an interesting thing to have someone who left being ceo who did a bunch of stuff where he really built up disney and built up their portfolio and them kind of being like, oh, you know what? <laughs> we we want you back. Yeah. Um, can, can you please come back? Actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, at the same time though, we were we are were however you feel about it. There was a pandemic that happened during these last couple years, so mm-hmm. not too many people are trying to go see Mickey Mouse at Disney World. Sorry. That's true. You know, I mean, I don't know, maybe now because people like to be rebellious, but we'll see. The whole like switching for me, I feel like what the MCU is in terms of like Marvel in this deal, I think it has been a little bloated and kind of messy. So it'll be interesting to see if with him coming back, it comes a little bit more streamlined and gets some new focus. Didn't they already like fire somebody from? directing or writing one of the movies oh yeah we'll be talking about that next actually um the blade movie actually just found their director um with a i think his name is jan damagen apologies if i uh, said that wrong and there has a new writer as well by michael starberry who just recently won an emmy for uh, their work on for when they see us I mean, the mm-hmm. director was uh, also a part of Love Cap Country. So mm-hmm. um, he wrote the pilot episode, you know, which is like one of my favorite ones. Yes. So, you know, we were just talking about Blade and we were, or at least I was kind of wondering, you know, what was going on over there, wondering if the table was looking a little shaky. But it seems like they were like, no, we're not <laughs> letting Blade fall to the wayside. Um, they quickly found a new director and a new writer to kind of keep things going. So I'm excited to see what they do with this. Yeah, I'm very excited. Again, that director who worked on Lovecraft Country, he also directed the pilot, which was really good. I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see Mahershala. I'm excited for the new writing. I am ready. We're back on track. This is what I'm talking about. See, sometimes yeah. you just got to <laughs> let the people go and get the right people in, and then we can get moving. Mm-hmm. And that's how it needs to be. So I'm excited. Hopefully, by the next time we have another D23, we'll actually be able to get a trailer. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I mean it's pretty. It's up for you. I know you are a big Blade fan, so, um, and I feel like Mahershala is gonna be more like. I think he was involved with the process for for this movie, and yeah. um, 
I don't think he was really feeling <laughs> the last like That's writer they, or the stuff. <laughs> so uh, I hopefully I, he and this new team they kind of like work together and really come up with some great stuff for Blade, kind of put him back on the map. I'm really interested to see like what they come up with and how they do this story. Um, you know, the original Blade movies were classics and they kind of followed their own original tale. I think, again, the comics have tried to do more recently a little bit more streamlining of his story and like giving him a clear lane to operate in. So I wonder if any of that will be picked up or if we'll just kind of go wholly original as we did there last time. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to, he's definitely going to be in Midnight Suns, right? Because allegedly that's also a project that they're working on. I wonder if they're going to make him the leader. Ooh, that would be hot. That would you be know. nice. Mahershala's presence is going to be great. I hope we get the works from this. I want a new show. I want a video game. I really just want a video game, like, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> a Blade Solo video game or a new Midnight Suns game that's not, like, the one that's coming out? Um, I would like both of those, actually. Obviously, I would prefer the Blade Solo game. I think the Midnight Suns, the Midnight Suns game looks really cool, at least with the animations that they've been doing for it and the stuff, but I'm not really into like the turn-based aspect. I think maybe yeah. if that was a different type of title, I'd be a little bit more pumped for it. But again, kudos to that team for what they've been doing. The little animated shorts that they've been putting out online have been amazing. Uh, there was the one with Wanda and Magic that I thought was really nice. Magic wasn't really doing too much, but Wendy came. Don't do that. She was doing her thing out there. She, she was kicking she was doing her thing. She was teleporting and, and using her sword. Don't do that to Magic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I know that they recently just released a Blade one, too. Um, I haven't watched that one yet, but I know that's out for people to get into. Yeah, those have been cool. Yeah. Um, but that is all of the updates we have this week. Let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come right back. Cool. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the comic section of the show. And uh, we had a decent-sized amount of books this week. I wanted to do a qu- few quick mentions. Defenders Beyond number 5 was out, and that was the end of this little five-issue miniseries from Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez talking about Blue Marvel and his cross-team going around the galaxy and the cosmos, doing very big, bold things. It was fun. There was a lot of nice stuff. Loki was in it. Tigra's there. Sometimes, mm. but she doesn't really. Phoenix do was there too, right? A Phoenix was there. Yes, there are a lot of those running around. This is uh, Galactus mom, actually. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Magic Order three number five also came out and had its final issue this week. Uh, there was the World Without a Justice League Dark Army number one over there in um, DC Comics. This was actually kind of like a fun little issue. Robin had his own team and it was the debut of the Red Canary finally. She pops up onto the scene. Oh, I don't know if finally. you've seen a bunch of the variants and covers of her that have been going out. Yes, I've seen them. People have <laughs> been posting them forever. <laughs> she finally makes her comic debut this uh, month. So that was exciting to see. She's got some back and forth with Damien. It must, this issue, I will say, it did remind me why I don't like Damien. He's kind of annoying sometimes. Times. He's one of those characters where he like puts on and it's like you need to chill out just a little bit. But um the character Sideways was in it, Dr. Light was in it. I think you'd like that. She has like oh, a my girl. 
their powers, yeah. And Power Girl was there also. So that was a really cool time. I recommend people pick that up. And getting into our main books of the week, I want to start out with Action Comics number 1049. And that's from Philip Kennedy Johnson and Mike Perkins. Now, the last few months or so, Action Comics has been coming out. And I've been a little wishy-washy with it. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been like, I read it. It's still good, but I haven't been super excited. But this issue right here, it just pulled me back in. And it kind of made me realize, I think I was just a little bored of them being out in space <laughs> in War World. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I mean, he just recently returned back to Earth with, I think, in the last issue. So that's fair. Yeah. And I'm... War World lasted for a while. War World took a really long time. It was good and it was dynamic, but it was also really sad and depressing. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. Uh, but <laughs> I think we got like back to return to form with just how good Philip Kennedy Johnson is on this issue. We have Mentello and he's dealing with all of the stuff going on with Lex because Lex is in his head, giving him these missions. You see, um, nasty, Clark, nasty man. He's a horrible person. You got Clark. Took, he's still took that girl sister. <laughs> it's <Mess>. like <laughs> crazy. Uh, you have Clark. He's doing his big battle with the new gods. They're fighting over this young boy, Asul, who is supposed to be the heir of Orgrun, an all-powerful entity. And he's going to like destroy everything. He has like a big powerful moment here that Clark has to kind of talk him down from, which I thought was super cute and cool. And then we also have Clark going back to War World and basically letting them know that you guys are free. Like, this is your life. We're going to have a safe passage for you to get home. He gives them, like, the Superman sigil says that you are worthy of this. And they're, like, chanting for him and screaming. And I thought that was, like, a really powerful scene and, like, the epitome of what Superman is and just remind you of how good Philip Kennedy Johnson is in writing Clark and Superman. Both values. Like, it goes hand in hand. And then when we get to the end of the issue, we see Lex Luthor again being a nasty man with Manchester Black. He basically has found a way for Metallo to free himself from his prison. He's on his way to him. He shocks Manchester Black and is like, oh, I need to keep you alive for a part of my plan too. And he's just evil. And then we go to the backup with art from David Lampum and it's talking about Tala and Supergirl and how they're out in space freeing people, which was also really cool to see. And I love how they're keeping her around. Yeah, I obviously I'm a big fan of Tala. So I was hoping that she was able to keep her powers and do more cool stuff. When she blasted the, like, blue energy out of her eyes, I was already mm. a fan. I thought that was <laughs> really cool. Um, and seeing Superman free War World and tell them, you know, I am friends with people on the United Planets. We've tracked all of your original homes. We're going to get you back to where you belong and uh, where you want to go. And I saw uh, Tao La, like, out in the crowd there so I was a little confused like oh is she also going to leave and to see then the flash forward that yes she ended up becoming basically like I don't know the chief of the war planet and they were like getting freeing people everywhere she went I thought that was really cool um, yeah. so I'm um, seeing also we saw that like the person she was beating the Chaitao guy um, who was a war zone he's being released he got like broke out of his cell so she's obviously going to probably have her own enemy now which was kind of cool um I really love Action Comics. It's been a a, a fantastic superhero uh, comic book to me. Probably my favorite every month. Probably my favorite of the year. So, yeah. and again, this issue just kind of showed that like it wasn't even just they were out in space for me. It's just truly just some great 
it's like great Superman work. and superhero stuff. Yeah, it's great character work. Again, I think if you look into like just Superman and Clark Kent, what they mean, what they represent, how they would talk, I think this is it. This is just really good work. And shout out to you because Philip Kennedy Johnson is going to be writing John Stewart coming soon. Oh, very excited for that. So yes. that's going to be. Uh, you, I'm very excited to see that. He wrote the uh, John Stewart World Without a Justice League one shot, and I love that issue. So I'm excited for the full solo run. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what would you rate this issue? Um, I would give this issue a four out of five, four point five out of five. Um, again, I'm really enjoying the machinations of Luther and all of the Superman work is really cool. Like I said, this will always get points for me from turning me around on Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody knows me, y'all know I was a hater, but <laughs> no, I like him. I'm in this. I'm in the super fam now. <laughs> Welcome, I'm over there with the super fam now. So, mm-hmm. um, I would give this uh, four, four point five. Okay, I agree. I'd give it a four. I thought it was a really good issue, a really great return to form. It was great to see Superman on Earth, kind of doing his thing, saving the day, um, inspiring people, just through all over good stuff. Like I'm back in it, and I can't wait to see the rest of the Superman yeah. family pop up soon with their little jackets. So yay. Oh yes. Also loving this that like he really emphasizes that Superman is a good person, but he will beat your ass. Like, like yes. he, he's, he, he's, he's kind of nasty. <laughs> like high key. Yeah. He's gonna go there. He shows that like Clark is like kind of yeah I'm nice, but I also know that I got the strength. I will do what I want at the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're not gonna beat me. So what? <laughs> he told those new guys like um I don't care what you thought you were leaving with, but it's none of those. So <laughs> we could fight. It, it just even makes me think back to like earlier in the run where they were fighting over the Genesis stone and Clark went down to Atlantis to get it. And Arthur was like, if you leave with this stone, we're going to have a problem. And the next page they show is Clark flying out of Atlantis with the stone. He <laughs> 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 don't care. Um, I do appreciate that as well. Uh, next up on our list is Midnight Suns number three. That comes from Ethan, Ethan Sachs, excuse me, and Luigi Zagaria. And this is for the Magic Girls and Agatha Harkness fans who are also Catherine Hahn fans, because that's really all that's going on up in here. But, <laughs> you know, uh, starting out with this book, the young Marie Laveau from The Strange Academy, excuse me, Zoe Laveau from The Strange Academy, she got a vision that she was going to basically bring about the destruction of the world that went to, like, all of the Magic people. They got together, they've been fighting these demons from the realm of Valtor, and excuse me, the villain's name is Voltor, they're coming from his realm for Zoe, and Kalia sent the Midnight Suns team that has formed to the Dark Dimension because they were a part of the vision as well. So this issue sees them, like, in the dimension, kind of trying to fight their way out, and Agatha Harkness has uh, grabbed Zoe and taken her to the place called the Black Mirror, which is a conduit to Voltor's realm, so they can figure out a way to stop him, because she's apparently dealt with this before in the past in the coven that she was with, with Marie Laveau, who is Zoe's grandmother. So okay, bringing it all together. Yeah, bringing it all together. And so, like, even while they're there, um, Marie Laveau's spirit, like, pops up and she's trying to fight Agatha and Zoe. And Zoe's like, no, like, our family name and legacy is not going to be bringing about the destruction of the world. I'm more than that. That's not going to define me. Um, while that's going on, the Midnight Suns are in this dark dimension and they come across this tower, which has these, like, vampire-esque creatures, blades. Like, that place looks kind of vampy, but they realize that it might be a way to get out of the dark dimension. <laughs> And so they get in there, sure enough, there are vampires there, and they are holding a wizard who they say is going to 
help them against Clea should she ever return to the dark dimension to claim her dominion over it because that's technically her space. She ain't supposed to be in the 616. That's strange, but he's dead, so whatever. Um, they fight these demons. Magic is using her sword because apparently she can't use her magic. Allegedly, Clea is stopping that from happening somehow because Clea actually knows how to use magic. And Wolverine is there talking about how he's just like, oh, I don't know why I'm here. Blade's fighting. Nico is still dealing with her insecurity because she sent her staff into space. And so she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do anymore. And it's just like, girl, I don't know. Pick up a knife. What do you want? Like, <laughs> do something. Do, do something. Some, do some wiggly wolves. Can't everybody so, do like, isn't all magic can do something? You ever seen Ileana do that? Yeah, she does a little spell every now and then. Okay. You know? Okay. But nonetheless, um, while they're there, they beat the vampires. They find the wizard. It's actually Doctor Strange, but it's I not. It. But it's not Stephen Strange. It's Tony Stark. Oh. He's Doctor Stark. So oh. The Tony Stark, who is the Sorcerer Supreme of his dimension, and he like gives them this mystified black armor so they all look really cool and badass. And he's like, all right, I'm going to send you into Valtor's realm so you can stop this. And then while that's going on, Agatha and Zoe are at the mirror. It seems like Valtor actually comes out and possesses Agatha, and the issue ends. It's getting bad. But the team got these new badass looks. It's like black and red. Wolverine's got some red claws. Well, Magic's got some red horns. It's hot. Okay, that's kind of cool. It's fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like the Magic characters are finally doing some stuff out there. So that sounds fun. They're having like their own little mini event type of situation going on. A lot of them are doing stuff, using spells. It's cool to see. Obviously, I think this is kind of tying into some uh, MCU synergy. We know that the Midnight Sun seems to be coming along. The game is out as well. This is tying into that. But it's fun. I'm interested to see if Marvel will, A, how this ends, of course, and then B, like what Marvel will kind of do with the Midnight Suns brand after, like, will they try and do it again and really like legitimize it, give it its own ongoing thing, or will it just be something we bring out every now and again in a type of miniseries format? But mm. all in all, I would probably give this issue like a 3.5 out of 5. The art's fun. The people are using their powers. I really like this Kashala Ghost Rider girl. She does this like thing where they're fighting vampires. She makes this huge fire blast that kind of knocks everybody back. And it's like, ooh, real magic. I love it. <laughs> 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 mm, so that's cool and then our final book of the week is x-men 17 and that is from jerry duggan and joshua kassar and this is continuing on the story of the vault forge forge has entered the space to go and free darwin we actually discover that there's an adult version of laura in here um forge meets up with Serafina in there, they go through this fight and they kind of discuss everything that's been going on and how he trapped her compatriots out earlier. And she's interested just to see like how this goes on and what actually happens with the mutants and the children of the vault and the machines and all of that stuff. So she lets him go. Forge comes across Darwin, who has become code and interface in the children of the vault systems. And basically, he talks about how when the children got him, they were obviously working on him and experimenting him. And he said, you know, the centuries were torture. But then he kind of thought to himself, how am I going to get out of this? Or there's no way that I'm going to get out of this. And his powers instinctively activated and adapted him 
to get out of it and he became cold so now he's in there he has like all these systems so he shows forge like a version of what his dream kokoa looks like and they talk about how he's kind of going to stay in there because he needs to figure more stuff out about the children where they're going to see each other again it feels like a lot of setup we know that the fall of x is coming we know that there's all these things going on with the machines and the mutants and them fighting back and forth so it feels like darwin is kind of being set up to be a major part of that not necessarily something I expected for him, but I am intrigued to see it nonetheless. It was also showing that Darwin's like form in the vault was Brown Darwin. So shout out to Brown Darwin Hive. We're up 15 points. So that was really cool to see. Love that. Um, once it's all done, Forge kind of grabs adult Laura, takes her out, frees her. We get the team calling Saint to see her, and they have like this emotional little reunion where they kiss. It's cute for them if you're a fan of Saint Marine for those people. And at the end, we see Forge talking to Caliban back on Krakoa. And he's Caliban obviously doesn't know everything that Forge did with the suit, but you see Forge discussing it with him and kind of showing that remorse for using his fellow mutant in a good way, which I thought was like a really nice nuanced way to show Forge's mindset and how he was doing this. Because obviously the last issue, he seemed kind of like a bad guy. He was wearing a suit made of Caliban's skin and telling him like, I do what I want, blah, blah, blah. And here he was like, no, I kind of did something bad. I'm sorry about that. I don't want to be that kind of guy. Let's talk about it. Let me buy you a drink. And we saw accountability. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to Forge. I did think it was interesting also that when Darwin was showing Forge his version of Kokoa and what it looked like, that he was wearing the Captain Kokoa suit. So I'm intrigued to see, like, you know, how they're going to keep going with that and if he will eventually become that role full time, which I think would be nice. The Krakoa that he envisions is really nice, and I do agree with some of the people that I think this is kind of how Krakoa should have looked when it first debuted. There was a lot of infrastructure. There were, like, clearly uh, towns, road systems. There were sidewalks walking around. But, I, again, I think a lot of this is foreshadowing for the future. We know that Fall of X is coming. I wouldn't be surprised if something big happens that leads us to making Krakoa look more like what he sees now or what he hopes it to be. Um, by the end of so. the yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> but by the end of it, too, we get like a data page that's from CC Reyes, and she is discussing how uh, when Forge came back, there was like an abnormally large backup in his brain. But then when they went back, all of a sudden it was gone. So it seems like something's going on there. I kind of have like a theory that Serafina somehow was able to hijack into Forge's mind. And now that she's back, she is in the Krakoan systems. And we'll see something going on with there. Um, maybe it could have also been a portion of Darwin in there. And now he's in the systems playing like double agent. I don't know what's going on, but I'm interested. I'm sorry. I still think year two is taking it. I liked it. Mm. It worked for you me. Say so. mm-hmm. I, thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought the force dynamic, this issue was really great. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. I would give this issue also a four out of five. That's me. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, then that brings us over into the AR Club for the week. And this week we watched Wolverine and the X-Men episodes eight, nine, and 10. And um, yeah, this is still a cameo fest. <laughs> the first episode is... Part, <laughs> the the first episode is titled uh, Time Bomb and it is um directed by Steve Gordon and written by uh Craig Kyle and Greg Johnson. They did the story and Len uh, Yule uh, wrote the episode. Now, uh, this episode has the 
the villain Nitro, I guess you can kind of call him. I don't really know him other outside of always being a villain. I know him mostly from his part in Civil War when Civil he exploded. War. Yeah. Um, which I feel like this is wasn't too long after Civil War, like the comics, so I could see why they used him in this episode to kind of like, you know, strike off of that popularity that he was having from the the comic books. Um, but Professor X warns the X-Men that like something is going to wipe out the mutant population, that Nitro is going to self-detonate on Genosha. And so the Brotherhood like tries to go after uh, Nitro. They take him out of the prison and they use Psylocke um, to kind of turn his powers off. And no, then the X-Men was... like, are chasing down the... It was Psylocke. Quantum? With her butterfly and her English accent? I don't know who that lady was. <laughs> so um, the X-Men end up chasing down the Brotherhood and they all have a fight with each other over uh, Nitro. Now, uh, there were some interesting choices as far as I think with the fighting in this episode. I liked Iceman stuff. He was kind of doing whatever he can out there, which I like when they kind of let him flex. Um, I thought it was cool when Storm caught Nitro in that tornado and like that he used him to like explode up there. I thought that was cool. I think um, it also just really shows that sometimes the X-Men don't really have anybody strong enough for them to fight. So they can't really <laughs> use their powers. Oh, they thing. was tossing Storm around. Anytime she did something, <laughs> two seconds later, it was like, knock, knock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I've always said that I wish anytime the X-Men are fighting robots, that's when I prefer it. That's why, like, Nimrod and Bastion are my favorite X-Men villains, um, because they get to go all out, and they don't have to worry about, like, you know, the ethics of killing somebody. Although, <laughs> I will say, I do think there there are other, and that there have been other bad mutants who are strong enough to, like, fight. I just think that those characters don't get used enough outside of the obvious, like, occasional henchmen or just, like, random appearance. Like, I think about a Sienna Blaze, who is a very powerful mutant who has, like, all these elemental abilities and, like, is known to be a bad girl. But it's like, how often do you see Sienna Blaze pop up? Right. I don't think many people are thinking about her, though. I mean, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just kind of like, you know, they'll be there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if we can talk about that with her, you know, not being that popular, but like where kind of characters are they? Where is she? Um, Shows like this are how they get used because um, the next episode, episode nine, was the future episode with uh, Bishop and Meryl and Hellion all in the future. And this was like all kind of cameos. You have Berserker, Hellion, Mm -hmm. Meryl, Vanisher. Firestar, like there were a bunch of cameos. I think Warpath was in the background somewhere too. Um, there was a little ball so, black boy. I think that was Shola. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna claim it. <laughs> and I also really think that like Hellion should have been Shola in this episode. I like mm-hmm. to envision that that that's what happened. Um, um, but this episode is probably one of my favorite ones. I've watched it a lot because I think the like action and stuff in it is really well done and really, really well animated. Um, Agreed. This one, I... this episode was actually written by, again, Greg Johnson and Craig Kyle and the, and uh, Christopher Yost. So. I th- um, that makes more sense. Um, I think that this, 
was a really good episode in terms of it was a great showing and it felt like an X-Men episode. Like there were certain parts, like you said, during the action where they were fighting the robots after everything went down. Um, Mero and Firestar like did a move together. Firestar was trying to attack the robot. Mero came and she like hooked a string to it, and then Firestar came back up and like gave the final finish and blow. And it was like, yes, the togetherness, the teamwork. This is the X-Men, and I thought that was like really cool to see. Again, this was a cameo fest. The Carriers have been cam- carrying the series, and this one helped a lot. You got to see folks like Helia. I thought that Bishop had a really great showing in this. I've really liked seeing his relationship with Xavier. His powers looked good. He was shown to be powerful. Him feeling the energy and like blasting. I think a lot of times with Bishop, people love to go for the gun. Obviously, you know, you got the cape, the hated. I was going to prefer him with the energy powers. But I really do enjoy when people focus on that energy and how he uses it because he should be able to use it in lots of different ways. So I like that. Yeah. When he like was fighting that sentinel and uh, saw some wires or whatever and grabbed the wires so he can charge himself up, I thought that was really cool. I'm always going to prefer Bishop using his energy powers over the gun. I get the gun looks cool, but the energy blasts are way cooler. Um, and shout out to Firestar for once again being yes. in another medium. And like I love when she's the next stuff. I'm sorry. I don't know why people don't I, like her. She's cool. I mean, she just, she all right. I remember that there were some um, <laughs> behind the scenes and stuff on the making of this episode and that the Firestar and Hellion were originally going to be like a Firestar and Justice thing. And they were supposed to be like a um, kind of an homage to those two characters. But of course, this being written by Colin and Yost, you know, they were going to use yeah. the new X-Men. <laughs> this is the new X-Men club baby. <laughs> they are yes because again as we move forward into episode 10 this is nightcrawler on genosha he's been given a tour by scarlet witch um <laughs> i thought it was really funny when um someone said oh the scarlet witch and magneto is her father he was kind of gagged by it he was like oh yeah <laughs> 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 um and, you know, they end up having this, like, very romantic episode with the two of them. However, uh, Dust ends up telling Nightcrawler that, you know, that lady lying. It's, it's not what is, what's going on here. Um, there's some craziness going on. And Mystique is back at the X-Mansion, and she's, like, causing a bunch of mayhem for the X-Men. Um, which was interesting, because by the end of it, Nightcrawler finds out that things on... Genosha aren't that great. Pretty much anyone who kind of speaks up ag- out against it is end up like locked away mm-hmm. and imprisoned. Um, which again, more cameos. There was uh, Mercury was in it. Dazzler was out there performing at one thing. <laughs> Dazzler's never gonna turn down the booking. <laughs> okay, ever. <laughs> ever. She's never gonna turn down the booking. Uh, but there was also Sanyaka down there with his whip. Um, he good. I love me some Sinyaka in the comics, so it was hot seeing him. I'm not even gonna lie, I gag. Yeah, Sauron was down there too. Scanner was included. So again, this was had a lot of cameos from characters that again we probably would not have seen otherwise in like a different kind of X-Men show. Um, still think it's weird that they gave Dust like the Sam powers, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was. <laughs> Mystique was at the X-Mansion uh, causing mayhem and 
we saw Nightcrawler, like he wanted to escape Genosha. He truly teleported himself all the way back to the X-Mansion. And when he got there, he was tired, ended up getting um, caught by Mystique. And I found it interesting because I think earlier in the episode, um, Magneto told Mystique, like, make sure he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, he um, he told Scarlet Witch that um, he won't be making it back to the X Mansion. So obviously he told Mystique to like take care of this. So was she just? I wonder was she already like at the X Mansion just <laughs> messing with? I think so. Probably because that seems like some nasty that she would do. But. I enjoyed this episode a lot, and I'm only going to tell you this because this is a safe space, but I really enjoyed this episode simply because I am a Wanda Kurt believer. Oh. Wow, I, don't I did not know that was what was gonna, you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't, okay. I don't know why, I but I... It. I really like it for some reason, and I'll never forget, like, when Nocturne first appeared in the Exiles books, and that was the whole thing. She's like, oh, I'm the daughter of Nightcrawler and the Scarlet Witch. I was like, oh, I like that. That's interesting. That's that's kind of cool. And wasn't he raised by witches? Yeah. His, his stepmom so there we and go. his stepsister slash girlfriend are both witches. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that stepsister thing. But see, he can move <laughs> on, and... <laughs> <laughs> Give a little cruel intentions. I love it. <laughs> I think um, that could also be Wanda's, like, you know, tie back towards the, the X Men and, and mutant stuff rather than it just being her adopted dad or her killing the mutants. It's always so interesting, like, how much they include her in X Men media content when she don't like to be around that team. But I do like that they also include Pietro. Who does come around? Yes. Really? Yes. Um, he was also really cool in all these episodes. His powers were great in these. And I like when they don't um like downplay the the super speedster because a lot of times people will wonder, like, well, why didn't the super speed person like get this done already? And <laughs> they do that in this in, in his appearances, so I appreciate that. Um okay. yeah. I still don't overall, like these ponytail though. Rogue's little ponytails are dumb. It's really know. bothering me, and I can always see through her bang. Why is it translucent? <laughs> I don't know. I it's, don't know. I can it's always just a really weird animation bang. choice, like a weird design choice. Not a fan. A lot of the characters, when their hair goes over their eyes, you can still see through them. I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Dude, I also I just wasn't, I don't really like a lot of the design choices in this series. I'm not the biggest fan of Iceman's hair. Or yeah. um, not the biggest fan of his his costume either. Kitty, same. I don't like hers as well. Um, mm. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I can. I can't think of too many of the designs that I actually like. Like, yeah, I, I don't like Storms either. Storms um, is very bland, but they treat in this cartoon, so it doesn't even matter. That's fair. Yeah. Um, this is going to be great to continue going through. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and say that right there. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, I haven't watched this in a while outside of, like, I have watched the future episodes and clips from those. Um, but 
this next few episodes are going to be interesting. We're going to continue on and watch the, another three episodes. We'll watch um, 11, 12, and 13. It looks like um, oh, 11 is more Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then 12 is beginning into Gene. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, let's go ahead then and take a break, and then we'll come right back. Cool. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the relaunch section. Now, last week, you were promised that I would be doing a character, and that is still true. And this is a character who's very dear and near to my heart. So I don't know if everybody's been noticing. Well, I'm sure everyone notices that I am here for the streaks. We all know mm-hmm. I'm always going to be down with those teams fighting low-level powers. We're not up in space. We're not blowing up stars. We're not flying. Nobody's flying. Um, and especially in the aspect of, like, spies, that is another facet of the streets that I really do enjoy, like the espionage aspect, the scientist aspect of it. And one character that has been coming up a lot lately for me that I've been thinking about is Mockingbird, Miss Bobby Morse. And I've been doing a little bit of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. watching, as I do sometimes. And as we all know, Adrian Pilecki shows up as Mockingbird. And it just, like, really has inspired me just to, like, kind of go back and do some deep diving of this character and, like, discuss her with you all today. Now, this brought about two things for me. One, it made me realize I really like this girl. She is like hot. She's got some great stuff going on and she's cool. And two, it has also made me realize how far we have come in comics because we are here in what, 2022 and Mockingbird was created in 1971. Astonishing Tales number Mm. six. She was created as a love interest for Kazar, and for those who know, that's the man who lives over in the Savage Land, the jungle guy. And then she was revealed to be Agent 19 of S.H.I.E.L.D. with a PhD in biology, and that's kind of been the story ever since for her. Now, as I was doing some of the reading, I was like going back into some of these books from the 70s and stuff like that, and I was like, this is so old. (laughs) Sometimes it does not hold up. And I was like, this is so old. And it's like, I think about when I was younger reading comics, like in the 90s and things like that. I would never go back and read comics in the 60s because it was just like, this is so old and it's so wordy and it's so different and it's not really relevant to anything today. And if there are any stories that are happening in here, people have kind of revamped them or redone them in a more modern time. And I was, as I was reading some of these older stories in like the 70s and the 80s, I realized like, oh, that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of these older stories that we, they were like pertinent back then are being revamped or redone or like re- energized in a new way for the modern reader. And I was like, I don't necessarily think I have to go back and read all of this. It is crazy to me to think that really now, I think for a lot of people just starting their comic journey, you can just tell them to start from the early 2000s. That's it. Yeah. You can go back and always fill in the rest if you would like to. Um, but I do think we are starting to get to the point where the like starting point for people has kind of moved up where people would have started much further back on the X books with like, you know, the giant size or, um, Mm -hmm. the Outback era and stuff. But now people kind of 
have just probably started Utopia <laughs> or like, like truly <laughs> something like that. And that's what it is. But I just thought that was like a really interesting thing that I was going through and reading. Um, um, but nonetheless, like Mockingbird is a character who has had a very long and very interesting journey in the book. She's been a part of multiple teams. She's been a West Coast Avenger. She's been a regular Avenger. She's done her own solo thing. Um, she has helped out. She died at one point in time. And she is kind of like famous in the regard that she was one of the scrolls that Hawkeye found in the original Secret Invasion, which I've been kind of thinking about that show also lately. And I'm still of the mind that some of the people from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to show up, but I wonder if, like, Mockingbird is going to be one of them. Hmm. Well, wasn't the wife in Hawkeye technically Mockingbird? We're not acknowledging that. I don't know who that was or what that was supposed to be about, but... Did, did they call her Mockingbird? I forgot. Hawkeye came out last year. <laughs> it just was just know. it's just whatever it don't even matter we're not acknowledging her. that's the, true the, i mean she could she could easily come over into the mcu from that show and just be mockingbird age like, 19 yeah. whatever she want to call herself Adrian yeah. Pilecki, we need you. And that's who we hope to see back. <laughs> but again, like just thinking about like her in that storyline and that show coming out and all of that stuff, that was like really interesting to see. Of course, I will say, you know, like many women in comics, a lot of Mockingbird's stories have kind of centered around Hawkeye and the things that he's doing and how she plays the girlfriend and the wife, you know. But I will say that Mockingbird has done a really good job of kind of like keeping herself separate. That Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. aspect, her being a scientist, I think that's been a really interesting niche in a lot of her stories. She kind of comes around, she plays like forensic scientist, she solves the crimes that way. We see a lot of her studies in the chemics, um, chemistry, excuse me, and things of that nature, which I thought was really cool. I think her biggest showing is probably in her solo series from Chelsea Kane that came out in 2016. It started oh, with child, the drama. Sure, we're going to get into that as well. Um, <laughs> originally in 2015, she did a one shot with art by Joelle Jones to shout out to her. So like going back, seeing that her some of her like older drawings was really nice. And it just kind of showed Mockingbird and like how she goes about her day and like the Apes of S.H.I.E.L.D. It showed all that science stuff in there. We got the introduction of Lance Hunter, who was a part of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Oh, yeah. He was uh, brought into the comics to show him as a love interest for her. And then we get into 2016 where we have the one, the series. And this was really interesting because, again, it was just kind of Chelsea Kane showing Mockingbird out on her own and showing, like, why she wanted to do this whole hero thing. There's one issue that really stands out for me in that run where she's going to rescue this little girl. The girl, apparently, her powers are activating. She does stuff with color, and she's trapped her friends in this colorful bubble. And anyone who tries to get too close or do things to them, she sucks the color out of it. It destroys machines, it kills people, and it takes away all these things. So you see Mockingbird kind of, like, trying to navigate this with the crews and the people trying to get the girl down and she talks about how when she was younger she always wanted to be a superhero she tried to get involved in like stark technology and she tried to call oscorp to do like are you doing human trials and she tried to do all these things on herself to get superpowers and it never worked and how she's kind of dealing with this imposter syndrome of like i don't have super strength i can't shoot lasers i'm just a smart girl how do I do this? <laughs> and, <That's real. laughs> yeah. and it was like a really interesting issue to see because, you know, while she's talking to this little girl, while the girl is like sucking the uh, 
color out of people she's talking about you know my favorite color is red and i know red is like hemoglobin and red blood cells and i know without this you need that and it was like again it's a really interesting aspect to see with mockingbird because her whole thing is science and math she eventually like finds a way to save the girls and then at the end of the issue it's like really fun because they're on camera and the girls are like who's that and one's like i don't know black cat and she's just like, <laughs> get me away from these kids. I'm done. She's also, it also reveals she's a Gemini. So shout out to her because she's high. And <laughs> um, that series in itself is one that I think is very, it's not even controversial. The book itself was good. Like, I think it was a fine story of Mockingbird. It was just like the backlash and the way that things happened when it came out. For those who were like around at that, that time of social media, Chelsea Kane was doing just like really cool work she was a girl writing a girl having a good time one of the covers for the book came out and mockingbird was wearing this shirt asked me about my feminist agenda and baby it's like um i didn't understand why they were so mad People were furious. Chelsea Kane got like so much hate online. People were attacking her. People were trashing the book. It was great. And then shout out to Adrian Pilecki because she actually came out herself and like wore a shirt that said the exact same thing. That's what I'm talking about. Do that girl. Because you wouldn't, but you know, I think that was also really interesting because it was just like really a strange thing to see with fandom. And how just reactionary it can be sometimes and the way that we engage with creators across social media and like the access we have to them. And I'm a person, I've been saying this a few times, but I do hope Marvel did something like in the future to kind of apologize or just like say something about how much they kind of left her out there by herself during that whole time. Because it was bad to the point I remember she like deactivated her social media and everything. It was that. For no reason. The book was excellent. Mockingbird was excellent. And I don't know. Pick it up. I think it's like some really good stuff just to read about her. But, um, you know, after that kind of ended, Mockingbird kind of just floated around, did a couple of appearances here and there. She showed up in Amazing Spider-Man during the Nick Spencer run for a little bit. She was dating Peter, which I thought was like... Kind of like Peter. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that. So (laughs) 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 that happened. And then most recently, she was in the 2020 Force Work series. That was from Matthew Rosenberg and had art from Juan and Ramirez. It was only three issues, but it was like tying in with some other stuff that was going on in the, um, what is that, Iron Man world. So it wasn't really that great. But it was a cool little thing for her. I think when I look at Mockingbird, she's really interesting. I do think she could kind of make it as a solo hero. I think most Avengers characters can kind of do their thing as a solo hero, of course. Um, and it's something I think that is interesting with her is she is one of the few who's like really loyal to S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Like everybody who's been a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of falls out. You have a few characters that like dabble with them, stop doing it. They might stick around, but most of the time everybody leaves. Bobby, she stays with Shield the entire time. She's like stuck that's beside her, him. <laughs> like that <is> her <laughs> during like some of her tenures with the Secret Avengers. Like she was still doing Shield work on the side. So I'm kind of interested to see that and get a little bit more explanation into that and what goes on and why she feels like Shield is like the place that she really can show her true loyalty to or why she sticks around after they clearly get taken over and done all these things with them so much. I'm also very glad that they moved away 
from her relationship with Hawkeye. I understand it's a thing that's important. And I'll be honest with you, I think that while there are a lot of people who like Mockingbird, I think that there are a lot more people who like her solely with Hawkeye. Mm, as the girlfriend? As the girlfriend. And, and, or and a partner, I'd say. Again, I think... Like a duo, like the two of them together. Yeah, I was about to say, I think when you look at Hawkeye, Hawkeye and Mockingbird, a lot of people also see Green Arrow and Black Canary. Mm. Oh, that's and, a good point. And it's just kind of like you want those two characters together. So I think a lot of people want to see them together. But I personally am kind of glad that she's moved away from that and Kate Bishop can have it. I would yeah. like to see Bobby interacting with like some new and different people, though. Would you rather them still be like street level heroes or do you think she should start like, you know, being more Nick Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. and have these relationships with kind of Al, the, the superheroes everywhere? I I wouldn't be opposed to the, like the Nick Fury S thing, like kind of a Maria Hill aspect. I think she gets it, I, but I do think that she likes being in the field, especially being a scientist. Being a scientist is like Bobby's whole thing. She gets her hands dirty. She goes and studies the bodies herself. She goes and looks at the lab. She writes things up. She experiments on herself. She experiments on Hawkeye. That's some of the issues that they have sometimes. He's like, you just playing with me. Um, and I think that's something she would miss. I think if she could still do that, yeah. I could see her mm-hmm. moving on to that role. But I think if there was some type of way where characters were like, oh, you couldn't do this or you couldn't get in the field for whatever reason, it wouldn't work for her. I'm also interested to see what a life outside of S.H.I.E.L.D. with her would look like. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that a lot of these tech uh, spy characters get very often. It's like, okay, they try and have that story where they get out. The truth is you can never get out. You in, you in. They always want to come for you. So, But it's like, if you do try and get out, you do try and do something else, what does that look like for you? What are the motivations? What does that mean? I think that's what we need to get into. Again, I think that Chelsea Kane series kind of set up with like, oh, I want to be a superhero. Okay, cool. I'm like dealing with that and the imposter syndrome that comes along with it. And I'm trying my best. But if something happens and now that's just not working, I got to do something else. What does that look like? And how does that get pulled back in? That would be great. Do you think that's something that could be done with her right now, like a solo series right now? Or do you think you would kind of push mm-hmm. her more like on a team book first? I think I could do, I think a solo series would be fine. I think if you're going to do a team book for her, I think that Secret Avengers brand works the best. Um, again, Spy Girl, she likes it. She gets down and dirty. She's all about her camouflage tech and getting into it and sneaking around places. She's fought Taskmaster. She goes against AIM. She goes against other little people who she has. So that could be fun. But I do think a solo could work again. I think most Avengers women can handle solos. And I think we're at a time right now where... Solos for women are at all time high. Be sure to get all the local ones that are coming out. Scarlet Witch, Monica Rambo, Photon, Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, The Wasp, if you like The Wasp, She-Hulk, Captain Marvel. They're here. Support them. You know what? That I think a, a solo for Mockingbird would really be great. Um, she needs a, a sidekick. Yeah. And... You know, I'll you know, say this to you, Elsie. I've been reading a lot of solos lately, and one of the things that I have noticed about a lot of these books is that they have a very strong supporting cast of characters. Yes. Around. They've got, like, their one or two friends who they know, but then they've got, like, this other younger hero who's come along and is acting as, like, that sidekick person to them or the new upcoming one that they're training. And I think that's been, like, a very strong reason why a lot of them are succeeding. Because, yes, we all love our solo heroes, but 
we love seeing them interact with other people. We love seeing that training aspect going on and all of that stuff, the adventure and the journey. And I think seeing those other people and how they react to the journey with them has been really cool. I don't know who I would pick for her right now. Maybe Finesse. She could be fun. Finesse would be great. I think they could also just make a new character for her, like a new little like STEM girl who also like, you know, fights or something and gets caught up in something and then that's how she becomes the new little mockingbird. That's not Lil Mockingbird. <laughs> they can come up with a better name than that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm all about grabbing an ex- uh, uh, obscure girl and elevating them. And bringing them up, yeah. Finesse is cool, too. I like her. She was hot. So I think that would be fun. But that's Mockingbird. I think she's got, like, some great stuff. Again, I d- highly recommend the Hawkeye and Mockingbird miniseries that came out. That was from McCain and Lopez. Um, the one-shots and stuff from Chelsea Kane. The Amazing Spider-Man stuff, if you're into that, I didn't really think it was like super pertinent. Like she looked good. It had great art. So that was hot. Um, and the Force Works things, if you really want to go back and do a lot of those, uh, Secret Avengers run that also came out from Cot. that was cool. I think for a lot of the other stuff, if you are a person who like really likes the character and you want to go back and do stuff from the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, absolutely go for it. But I think now we've kind of reached that point it's not super necessary anymore, which is like kind of heartbreaking to say. A little bit, I want, yeah. Because <laughs> I want people to read everything, you know, but like I have to be realistic and I know everybody don't want, again, like I remember reading comics and I was like, I'm never reading anything from the 60s. They're not talking about yeah. <laughs> But they do a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> they do a whole lot of talking. <laughs> But, you know, at the same time, they were literally, literally inventing this stuff. So I get yeah. that they were, yeah. you know, excited about it all and things evolve. Um, as far as the, like, MCU goes in her live action appearance, would you keep Adrian Palicki or would you have a fan cast for Mockingbird? I'm, I'm still on the Adrian Palicki wave. So, like, if she is up to do it and she is able and she feels like she's in a great spot, yes, bring her back. I'm like... I see it. I think she did amazing. I think her role in Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. was great. I'm so sad she never got a spinoff. I would love for her to kind of get the chance to come back and finish and do all that. Um, If they did go with someone new, I don't have any immediate folks that come to mind. But Mm. I would also be interested to see how they do it. Because, again, like you said, they did try and give whatever that little Easter egg was with (laughs) Farnelli, Hawkeye's wife. And her stuff in the shield, and but like that's not. But I think she had a different name, right? Like, didn't he call her her name like Vanessa or something? I may have made that up, but I don't <laughs> think it was. I don't think it was Bobby. <laughs> not Vanessa. Um, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. But I don't. I don't. I don't like her for anything. So I wouldn't mind somebody new popping up if we can't do Adrian. She may still exist then as a character. They may just like Hawkeye marry somebody else, but Bobby Morse is out there. She just never got with Hawkeye. Period. We're okay with that. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, Please make sure you rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts. You can um, see us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can watch us on YouTube at Another Relaunch TV. Um, you can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore at the 
Boom. All right, y'all. Let's get up out of here and we'll catch you next week. All right, peace. Peace out. Thank you.